Hi, this is Lauren Gray from Gray Management Systems. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to everyone that has been supporting and listening to our podcast. Today is our 10th episode and we'll be concluding season one while we take a short break. I just wanted to let you all know as well that we are very proudly presenting the Compliance Webinar Forum 2020 that's going to be occurring on Friday the 13th of November. We have a fantastic lineup of guests. We have Steve Robinson from Right Strategy who's going to be talking about all things risk management and uh, risk management frameworks. We have our own Jeff Gray talking about audit schedules and managing corrective actions. And we also welcome Hazel Smurlis from Compliance Lab, who's going to be talking about simple solutions for all things safety in your business. If you would like to purchase your ticket, head to our website, greyms.com.au and uh, secure your spot today. Uh, there will be opportunity for participants to interact with presenters. I'll be hosting and um, assisting you with uh, having your questions answered on the day. But for now, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. It really does mean a lot to Jeff and myself. And if you've got any suggestions or any topics that you would like to maybe see in season two, then please email myself at lauren at greyms.com.au. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Compliance Collective Podcast. My name is Lauren Gray from Gray Management Systems, your compliance training specialists. Our aim is to bring you updates, tips, and important information regarding all things compliance. Thank you for joining us. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. We're going to be speaking about assurance activities today. And to discuss all things assurance, I have invited Carice Grundon, who is the Director and Principal Consultant of Integrated Management Assurance Solutions. Carice has a passion to deliver assurance solutions to her clients, and she strives to make sure that they have confidence in what is working well in their business and to be able to identify where continual improvement is needed. Carice is a published assurance strategist and has developed award-winning assurance programs for huge mega infrastructure projects. She's also a respected certified lead auditor specialising in the certification of many of the ISO standards. So today, Chris is going to join me to discuss assurance activities, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, thank you, Chris, for joining me today to discuss assurance activities. So I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast. Thanks, Lauren. It's great to be here. Oh, pleasure. So let's get into it. First of all, let's start at the basics. What is assurance? That's a really great question. So assurance is something that is greatly misunderstood or often misinterpreted. Assurance does form part of the management system. It's not something that stands by itself or something that you bolt on once you've finished. Assurance is the part of the management system that focuses on providing confidence that needs or expectations, whether they are stated implied or obligatory will actually be fulfilled mm, mm, i like that it is it's absolutely about confidence isn't it having that confidence yes. that you can that you are compliant and that you're meeting your objectives and then you can just get on and do what you're good at what your business is about 
Yep, do more of what works and less of what doesn't. That's exactly it. So why would a business want to implement insurance activities? I think a majority of the audience listening along are either business owners themselves or work in business Mm -hmm. in some capacity. So they can relate to this scenario. Mm. How easy is it to get caught up in the motions of day-to-day stuff? So we turn up, we turn on the computer, we read some emails, we attend some meetings, review some documents, maybe give some instructions. But by the end of the day, perhaps we're not feeling like we have achieved very much. <laughs> then that annual um, annual review will rock around and we don't have the clients that we want. We didn't get the bottom line that we wanted. Costs are up, profits are down, employees are grumpy and clients aren't exactly blown away with our products and services. Mm. This scenario is exactly why we have assurance. Mm. It is such an underutilized aspect of the management system really because people just don't understand how powerful it can be. It is your own personal business coach that provides you with insight based on factual evidence on the actual direction of your business in real time. So in the previous question, we we said that um, the use of the language is really important. So providing confidence Mm. that needs or expectations will be fulfilled. That's really important. It comes right out of ISO 9000, Mm -hmm. which is the quality management system fundamentals and vocabulary. It is the definition of assurance. It's really important to understand that assurance is proactive and future thinking. It's not reactive and past thinking. So an example of reactive and past thinking would be, say, raising a non-conformance report and doing a root cause analysis. The undesired outcomes already happened in this instance Mm. whereas assurance is about getting ahead of the curve and detecting non-conformity before it happens Mm. so if you're constantly cycling through assurance and you're nipping issues in the bud before it happens you're going to save yourself a lot of unnecessary headaches down the line absolutely Mm. i like that i like getting ahead of the curve it's so true isn't it yeah yeah, and being proactive, it's the shift in the, the management standards from about 2015 recognised that the need for better proactivity and getting ahead of problems before they happen is more beneficial than having a system designed to fix things after it's gone wrong. Mm, absolutely. And you find with them more of a, a reactive approach, it ends up being more costly and um you know more times poured into that as opposed to some sort of preventative method or strategy um and i think that's why what well, well, one of the uh, one of the benefits i think um for for me um around assurance you know that can really provide that opportunity um yeah to be a more cost effective and uh, time effective approach so yeah, and, and, and I guess that leads into the next question. Like, what is the cost for a business potentially who doesn't have any form of assurance activity um, implemented? Yeah, for sure. So the, the quality standards are greatly misunderstood out there in industry, and I see it all too often that quality gets perceived as a nice-to-have or mm. even a barrier mm. for getting work done. And it's 
potentially the most counterproductive and even dangerous misconception out there. Mm. So everyone knows, you know, if you allow a breach in the WHS Act mm. and there's a fatality, someone somewhere is probably going to go to jail. Any law that the business is obligated to comply with, it, as soon as you start saying the words penalty and imprisonment, mm. suddenly you have everyone's attention. Mm. And then there's these ad hoc mismatched drills of inspections and reviews that happen that are function specific, like a WHS inspection. Mm. But if you take a step back and you look at what quality management actually is or what it should be, in its simplest terms, it's just about making sure that we control and direct activities so that a distinguishing feature, now a distinguishing feature can be physical, it can be sensory, it can be behavioural, temporal, ergonomic or functional. Making sure that distinguishing feature fulfills a need or an expectation. Mm. If you get it back to the bare bones, you can apply that directly to safety. You, in that case, a distinguishing feature might be employees not engaging in risky behaviours so they don't accidentally chop fingers off. Mm. You can apply that to environmental management. So the distinguishing feature might be pleasant sensory outcomes for the community with reduced machinery noise and no bad smells from excess waste so that community relationships are enhanced. Mm. So your assurance needs to come from three places. It needs to be tailored to the business. Mm -hmm. It needs to be structured against the framework of quality and it needs to be proactive and future-based, which is also known as risk-based thinking. Mm. The potential costs for not conducting assurance, are, well, at best, you're going to have a fragmented system mm. that really may be bleeding more money than it is saving you mm. through just general ineffectiveness. There's a whole spectrum of costs in between um, from reputational costs, lost clients, lost customers, unnecessary waste, inferior products, defects, rework, injuries, just sheer dead weight in the system. Mm. And it goes right up to penalty notices, infringements and imprisonment. Mm. So you need an assurance program and you need it to answer those three, come from those three places, being tailored to the business, being structured against the framework of quality and being proactive and future-based. Mm. Mm, definitely I, I like that um the way that you frame that actually and also too about around the piece that really quality you know it needs to be spread across the the organization and similar to safety where it's everybody's business so is quality it shouldn't just land in maybe one person's lap or or one particular team as well yeah I always I, I like to work in metaphors a lot and I always see Quality is like a skeleton of your organisation and then safety may be your muscles and environmental management may be your ligaments mm. and you build around the skeleton to create the entire functioning organism that is your business. Mm. You know, but if you if you have a if you have a broken skeleton, mm. the rest of the parts of the body aren't going to work properly. Mm. 
Mm, yeah, I like that analogy, and I like the fact that you like analogies. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly like them here at Great Management Systems, <laughs> but it's, it's it's a good way of uh, describing it. I've never heard of it like that before, so uh, I'll uh, I'll remember that one. Um, how important <laughs> is it for assurance to be tailored to the business? And I know you've sort of touched on this, but. Yeah, so we had a chat before about, you know, as a business operator, if you breach the law in any way, shape or form, then you're going to risk mm. penalties and improvements. That's a no-brainer. And then what you end up happening are saying the WHF subject matter experts create a system for their corner of the business mm-hmm. purely around law and compliance. Mm. Then you might have, say, commercial and business law experts creating a system around their corner of the business for their compliance needs. Mm. And then you'll get that for environment and you get that for traffic control and you'll get that for all these little branches of the business. But what you end up with is a fragmented patchwork quilt system with everyone running their own agendas. Mm. And there's a lack of overall coherence mm-hmm. as to why the business owners started the business in the first place. So good assurance has to ask some fundamental questions to base the program around. Why do we turn up every day? Mm. You know, why are we here? What needs and expectations are we as an organisation committed to? Is our system good enough to meet those needs and expectations? Are we using the system? And is the system effective in supporting our success? So quality management in general tends to get a bit of a bad as we touched on before, but assurance in particular does get the cold shoulder quite a bit. I ran a survey recently that asked individuals with a seniority level of manager or higher mm. what they thought of at the web audit. Now, most of the responses came back with a box ticking exercise or waste of time. Yeah. That's really a shame, and it tells me that they've never had a true assurance experience. They've probably had inspections that have been labelled, as an audit, mm. but an audit is simply a tool that we use to deliver assurance. And um, it's not the only aspect of it, mm. but it is a big part of it. Mm, absolutely. It's, it's a process of gathering evidence and you measure that against criteria to to figure out, you know, do we conform? Are we meeting that need or that expectation? Mm. But if you don't have a tailored assurance program mm. and you haven't answered the question of what are our needs and expectations? Why are we here? Mm. If you don't know what 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 we've committed to, then how on earth can anyone expect assurance to be valued? Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And also too, just going back to the parts where you were saying about um you, you know different parts of the organization you know you sort of indicated they could be operating in silos and i think internal mm-hmm. auditing is such an excellent way especially when you do process-based audits for actually identifying those gaps between those silos and breaking down those barriers so the left hand knows what the right hand's doing and vice versa too um and i really yeah. think uh, that's why well obviously i'm biased um, doing, uh, <laughs> you know, teaching uh, how people how to, you know, do conduct internal audits. But um, it, it, there's such value in that, such value. And it's a shame that those, um, you know, that there is still this um, this perception around auditing being a, a checkbox activity. Um, but I think when, when auditing is done, um, it's impartial and it's objective. 
um, it can be such a meaningful activity and just really um, there's so many benefits that could come from that, you know, especially when you're identifying risks and opportunities um, in particular and, uh, and being preventative. I think it's, um, that's, that's one of the key benefits I think I see. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And the, the point you made just then about it being independent and impartial mm. is extremely important because it's, um, it's a very personal thing. It's not meant to be personal, but we are human beings. We're not robots. And this is something that we turn up and devote you know, 40 hours a week of our lives to. Mm. It's going to get personal. And we all want to believe the best in ourselves and in our colleagues. And it can be very difficult to take a good hard look at the effectiveness of something. Mm. Remembering that it's not coming from a place of our people doing the jobs. It is coming from, does the system support us to be successful and why we're here? So having that independence Mm. to not be swayed by commercial influences to not be swayed by managerial pressures to not be influenced by reputation within a team is super important Mm. to make sure that you are getting the best value out of that activity Mm. remove the the human ego from the the process don't start talking about the ego we could be here all day (laughs) (laughs) um how important is management commitment to this assurance process and why so it is extremely important and it dovetails quite nicely into what we just talked about. Mm. Assurance will give management information it would not otherwise have access to. And it can be a very delicate process. Mm. There are two sides to the auditor fence. It's nothing that's formal or written. It's a personal choice of the individual auditor. So I, I liken it as there's the auditor that sees himself as the policeman. And there's the auditor that sees himself as the teacher. Now, I personally think a good auditor should always be there as a teacher, Mm. not be there to pick on people or judge how good or bad someone is doing their work. Mm. Simply there to observe how effective that system is in supporting a successful outcome. Mm. Anyone that's undertaken assurance activities, whether they're doing it internally or they've been hired externally, I I do both. I, I do all sorts of things. You need management to be seen by everyone in the organisation to really commit to it. Mm. There's that old saying, what interests my boss fascinates me. Mm. A good auditor will always be able to stand on their own, but it makes it so much easier and makes the experience so much more valuable if individuals have bought into that journey Mm. and see it as a proactive and informative activity Mm. for their own professional development Mm. and their own opportunity to contribute directly into the organization Um, it's all well and good for managers to say we're going to have the system do a and c but the people that are actually implementing it they've got the boots boots on they're there on the ground they're in the trenches they're the ones that have to use it Mm. and that is the assurance activity is the best platform to be heard and to say yes we have this system it doesn't work. Mm. We've come up with a different way of doing it. And then they do the audit finding. Change your, change your system. Change your process to reflect actual practice. Mm. Easy done. Absolutely. So, yeah, they're not going to do that. 
unless they feel that they have the management commitment behind them mm. to support the activity for what it is. Mm. Absolutely. And ultimately, really, the success of any type of these act- activities is directly proportional to that management commitment, isn't it? Yes. Mm. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So um, thanks, Carice. Well, we touched on the fact that you, you are um, a very experienced auditor, but what other solutions do you offer at um, IMAS to assist companies with their assurance activities? So for assurance specifically, we've got some very unique programs. So we offer both internal and external assurance solutions. Mm -hmm. So internal is where a company may be only interested in their own system effectiveness. Mm. So we can sit down and have a chat and we can uh, design and deliver a tailored assurance program around that organization's needs. So coming back to the context of their organization tailored to that. For the external assurance, some organizations may also be interested in the performance of their supply chain and may want that level of confidence that their supply chain is delivering what you have paid them to produce. Mm. It is a of 9001 certification yes. to determine the extent and control of your subcontractors and suppliers mm. but it also in some cases it may be an, uh, what we call an oblig- obligatory term so it may be part of legislation mm. or it may be part of a contract um, and a lot of I see a lot of companies struggle around this area it can be quite burdensome to Mm. get this done effectively and it often gets lumped onto say a quality manager or um, like a hsq manager or something like that yeah (laughs) so what we do is we will uh sit down go through your supply chain we'll do that assessment on who needs to be monitored how often and how much Mm -hmm. and what are we going to look at we'll then can actually go and undertake those scheduled external assurance activities and then we'll provide that organisation with a written report and we'll issue non-conformities on behalf of the company. Mm. So as if we were wearing your logo and your badge, we'll go in as a representative of you. An example of where this works, so we have a civil construction client who builds roads. That's Mm. what they do. So we control their assurance program for them and we do their aggregate, geofabric, concrete and drainage pipe suppliers mm. and we do their survey track control plant hold, plant hire and welding subcontractors. So everyone gets a visit somewhere between three and 12 months depending on how confident we are in the supplier or subcontractor and that contractor has issued effectively issued corrective actions and non-conformities to those suppliers and subcontractors through this process, mm. they've closed it out. So they've, they've worked on the closeout. But what's happened is that civil construction's client has come in to do an audit on them mm. and they've gotten huge green ticks for having good control of their supply chain, having these assurance programs and having good verification processes and having good control of work products and you know they, they've actually gained a lot of work because of the assurance program and the other things that we're doing with them as well so we do other things as well um, around management system particularly project specific management systems as well hmm. um, which is probably a different conversation for a different day but it's 
there's lots of benefits to it mm. and it releases the burden from the quality manager or whoever it is that has been delegated that <laughs> task to get back to managing quality of yes. the project or the organization and deal with the outcome of the assurance, mm. understand how confident we are and go from there. Well, that's great. Oh, very good. Well, it's, um, I'm great, great grateful that we connected because it's um i know that you are um, as positive and passionate about compliance um as what we are here so um it's great to to chat with uh, like-minded people and um and swap stories so <laughs> thanks very much absolutely yeah thanks very much for um coming on to the show today i uh, i really appreciate it and what i'll do is um if it's okay with you i'll um, I'll pop in the notes how um, people can get in contact with you via LinkedIn or via your website and, um, and we can go from there. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you. No worries. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening in today. I hope that you've found this episode helpful and informative. Please take a moment to hit subscribe. And if you know someone in the compliance field, or someone who may just be interested in today's episode, please feel free to share. Be well, stay safe, and happy auditing everyone.